Welcome to the latest edition of Ariaka's Dreamers and Doers podcast series, where it's all about bringing together industry experts and business technology leaders for a very candid conversation about technology trends, best practices, and lessons in leadership. By the way, I'm Frank Patterson, your host. I'm the channel chief at Ariaka, and today we have a very special guest. He's a strategic advisor at Blue Wave Technology Group, one of the founding partners at Eagle Tech Advisors, and he's an award-winning channel chief, master agent extraordinaire, renowned technology industry executive, philanthropist, and my friend, the man, Kurt Allen. All right, Kurt, the man, the myth, and the Boston legend. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Ariaka's Dreamers and Doers podcast series. What an honor, my man, it is to have you on the show here today. I got to be honest with you, it is very difficult to fit all of your amazing experience. You've got a tremendous uh, resume here, my man. It's hard to fit all that in the introduction. So do you mind maybe just kicking us off, share a little bit, a little bit about yourself uh, with the listeners and as I mentioned, uh, the podcast is called the Dreamers and Doers series. So tell me what you're dreaming about, Kurt, and what are you doing today? Thanks for that, Craig. That fine introduction. You flatter me far too much. But uh, yeah, I'm, I've, I've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I mean, as you know, I'm, I'm uh, uh, slightly more uh, long in the tooth than you. So I've been at it for a while. I, like I said, I, I came into telecom for a year, about 35 years ago. So it's been a long time done a handful of things. Uh, I've had a master agency. I run carrier businesses. I'm a three-time entrepreneur. But as of late, I'm dedicating most of my time to doing things that interest me with people I like. That's basically my rule of thumb. So from an employment perspective, I am a part-time employee of Blue Wave Technology Group. I'm also a partner and a principal founder in Eagle Tech Advisors, an advisory firm. And then I do some work with Columbia Capital on a, on a couple of their projects on the investment side. So, so yeah, definitely staying busy. Awesome. Well, I love that. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your background. 35 years. Wow. And obviously, looking at your background, you've done a bit of everything, right? You've, you've carried a bag. You've led sales teams. You've been involved as a provider, you know, leading uh, a channel organization. You've also been involved in leading a master agency, and now you're helping to advise all the people. So what a what an amazing background full of just a lot of excellent experience. So kind of looking at your time now, you know, focused around Blue Wave and this kind of rise of the super agent. Talk to me about that. Where do you see the market going now with people like Blue Wave and other super agents, you know, coming to market? How's that going to change things? And how are they different compared to traditional partners? I think the market has really shifted in a good way, by the way. You know, we're looking at geometric growth and the opportunity within the, within the channel because the types of customers that are looking to provider agnostic consulting for their IT and tech stack get bigger and bigger. So we, we have larger companies that now see the interoperability of all these solutions as being central to having that type of advice and that provider agnostic advice to piece that together. And then the other side is the things that we're able to sell these customers. You know, it wasn't 30 years ago, we were selling voice and data and that's it. And the, all the ancillary things were done via hardware, or other distribution channels. And 
And this, the as a service kind of craze that, that's really what the cloud has been for us is just expanded tremendously the opportunity that we have to provide solutions to these customers. Now with that, the rub is that it's far more complex, that everything is interoperable. So the days of the circus slinger out there just selling T1s as an agent, I think those are over. I think selling point solutions is dead. I think that you have to be a true advisory in the sense that you're looking at it at an entire technology landscape, that companies like Blue Wave, as we say, you know, it's from assess to vendor selection, to deployment, to managing those solutions, to cost containment, back to refresh. And, and we feel like for mid-sized companies and up, if they don't take that approach and if they don't find a Blue Wave or, or a Blue Wave type company to really run that analysis and manage that tech stack for them and cost contain it, we think they'll be seen as negligent in the not so distant future. So Blue Wave for me is, is really a, a passion play. It's a bet on if a handful of companies do it correctly, we can radically change the way that these solutions are purchased. And, uh, and as a side note, I'm also an investor. All the projects I'm working on, I've invested alongside. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I've seen it myself. You look at where partners are playing, you know, I'd say historically, you know, when the channel started here in North America, I think the channel was more focused on, you know, transactional customers. Obviously, they moved up market. And now I look at partners like Blue Wave, they're really going towards more of the, the very sophisticated customers, kind of large and very large global type customers that have you know, significant needs around digital transformation. So I love the trend. I think you guys are playing in the right space where you really can help cater to everything they need to really transform themselves from, you know, pure networking to obviously security, you know, to, to really everything they need in order to, to survive in today's market. So that's, that's awesome. So talking about the as a service, you know, model and solutions and where TSBs are going. How do you view the TSPs continuing to transform themselves to address the entire as-a-service model? They're going to be an integral part of it. They're 100% uh, in a very important cog. As you're, you're seeing the consolidation, and you're seeing you know private equity has come to market, and and they you know agree with me that that distribution model is here to stay and will continue to probably condense. We're, we're probably looking at three or four big winners. It might look a little bit like the Disney space. And they're shaking out and you've seen those acquisitions. But like, say for us at Blue Wave, the TSB is integral for us because we want to retain that provider agnostic consulting position with our customers. So we have no intent of ever like doing direct agreements with, with carriers. We're not going to take on quotas. We're truly positioning ourselves as we will go out and align the industry best solutions to solve the problems inside your tech stack, period. So for us, the TSB it will always be an important conduit for us to, to get to those solutions. And um, other than consolidating, I see that the TSB marketplace will continue to expand rapidly. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And I think the you know the comment around you know you can you intend on continuing to work with the TSBs that's going to be music to their ears, right? Because you know that's a big topic of discussion right now and whether these super agents are going to work with the TSBs or they're going to compete against the TSBs. So I got to believe you've got a lot of friends uh, after listening to that particular segment. That's great stuff. So, you know, looking at the consolidation, right? So, you know, there's a lot of M&A going on. You've seen it. You've been part of it. 
How do you see that continuing to evolve? Do you, do you see that there'll be enhanced M&A activity? Do you see more capital, private equity coming to the channel? Like, What are your thoughts around where the market's going from that perspective? You know, I think the national plays are kind of, they're shaking out. And I think there'll probably be four or five of them. And so there's a couple of kind of, there's a couple more large ones. There's one out in California that I would imagine he'll just keep doing what he's doing because he, he's having so much fun doing it and loves his business. But I think that, you know, certainly the three or four central plays and the TSBs are, are going to continue to acquire where they can. Scale matters. You know, what you alluded to in the last question is the types of things that the TSBs can deliver to partners. And it's really, it's practice as a service. Like if I'm a five-minute shop running an agency, I can't afford to invest in, say, a contact center specialist. I can't afford to invest in, say, a security specialist. So I, te- I have to lean on other folks for those resources. And that's the TSBs come in handy. So I can present myself as a contact center specialist because whether I'm working with Tolaris or Intellisys or Avant or uh, Bridgepoint, they've got someone in their shop that can help me in a practice area. So it's really delivering practice as a service. And your world kind of, you know, in, in an exercise that you and I did when I was consulting over there at Ariaka, we talked really about narrowing down, narrowing into our ideal partner profile. There were two flavors. There was the already enabled kind of security expert who is out selling edge devices today, and we want to get, you know, more than our fair share of that business. But the other ideal was someone who had the appetite for building out a practice. And that's a person we could really add value to. And that's you as a provider. The TSBs are doing a lot of those same things. So we're really expanding the scope of what an agent can present themselves with expertise in. Yeah, that's great. I mean, Ariak is very thankful to have met you, Kurt. You did some amazing work here and you really helped kind of set the foundation for our channel-led strategy. So you've been very active with other companies in terms of helping them build their channel strategy and uh, philosophy. So, you know, looking at that time period and all those different engagements, are there any commonalities that jump out, you know, from working with technology companies in terms of just challenges they faced, you know, just some things you had to help companies deal with as they stood up their channel strategy? Yeah, there's definitely been a couple of themes, Craig, that seem to keep popping up. And and one, and you'll probably remember this from our engagement, is that as service providers, we always have or we tend to have a really good idea of what our value proposition is to a customer. But those of us who are channel-led, we need to have a second idea of what our value is to that partner. If all we're ever talking about is our customer-facing solution as a value proposition, that's great for the sell-through motion to get out to customers. What, what companies need to, to also understand is their sell-to motion. And you're selling your program. You're selling the Ariaka channel program to a partner. So you know what's in it for them? It's not just that your solution is great for their customers. That's part of it, certainly. But it's the program, it's the support, it's the way that you can help that partner look better in the eyes of his customers. It's the way that you can help him drive business, even if it's not in Ariaka's stack, understanding the full kind of value of that partner. And that's why I think you guys have, have done a real good job. And I think that's why your, your channel is expanding, is that you've really been able to show partners how partnering with Ariaka can impact their overall business. So that's an area that, that I think a lot of service providers are weak on. They tend to have partner-facing marketing materials that are just basically rehashed customer-facing marketing materials. They do case studies that only talk about the customer impact and they don't talk about the partner impact. So that's a a real miss in an area that I think a lot of the providers could improve at. And then just structurally, what I find, especially in the larger organizations, but even in the smaller ones, 
is we spend too much time working inside our business as far as reporting up to boards of directors, uh, you know, internal reporting, you know, all this is just endless conference calls. And if we're not careful, I mean, I did an analysis of a, a really large company and in their sales channel, their sales motion, I had 80% of their time was spent on admin and internal meetings and 20% was spent facing up to customers and partners. That should be the other way around. We should be doing 80% of our, our look is outward. It's managing our people. It's managing their partners and helping them drive customers. And 20% is done the kind of administrative and uh, governance work that we need to do inside the business. So those would be the two things that seem to, to jump out and repeat. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I look back at some of my time working for telcos, and I know you spent some time, some time there too. And I can definitely resonate with that 80-20 rule. 80% of your time being spent internal, 20% being spent external, right? The great thing about Ariaka is we kind of flipped the world on its head and we're spending most of our time, energy, and effort really focused around the partner, you know, really focused on creating that untelco experience, right? You know, eliminating all those rules and all those mousetraps and all those gotchas that cause, you know, a bad partner experience. So let's talk about this. You've, you've obviously, you've got a tremendous amount of experience, you know, in a leadership capacity. You know, when you look at the market, a lot of companies are talking about improving an employee experience. Um, so what are some of the principles to you that matter the most? Uh, maybe looking back at your time spent at like Windstream or Vonage or Sandler or X4, like what are some of the principles that re- you really honed in on from your leadership perspective to create the best culture and experience for your employees? It's a Great question, Craig, and it's something that's always been really important to me. And my most proud statistic is that in the last eight and a half years that we had X4 before we sold it, we didn't have a single person leave the business. Nobody left. We, we, we had finally had a woman retire and she was 65 and she was the only person that had left the business in eight and a half years at that point. So, you know, people are always central to me. Windstream was interesting because I, I had such a large group there between account management and resale and, and the partner channel, you know, it's, you know, several hundred people. And it's difficult to be that type of a leader with several hundred when at X4, I had 20 or so, you know, so it's a different animal, but the, the principles are the same. It's like, what did I do today to empower my people to solve problems for their customers? My basic tenant in their customers being partners or customers, but a basic tenant that I say in the first day in any job I've ever had is that if you do something with honesty and integrity on this team, that's meant to help either a partner or a customer, you will not get in trouble. Even if you do it completely wrong and it doesn't work out, you're not going to get in trouble for that. Now, if I correct it and you repeat it, then you know we'll have a problem. But my point is always empowering people at the front lines and people closest to the customers and the partners to solve problems and to innovate and to be creative and do what they can to help people. And what I find is the result of that is that they tend to be more fulfilled. They tend to feel more valued and oh, by the way, they tend to do a far better job for our customers and our partners. So I think that, you know, we sometimes get wrapped up in governance. We kind of punish, like we punish every transaction for the off chance that something radical could happen. So if something goes wrong 2% of the time, should I put rules in place that slow down 100% of the deals for that 2%? Or should I just deal with the 2% error rate and fix that on the, on the way back? So the mistake we make is we're, we're so, afraid to make mistakes that we basically don't empower people to solve problems. So, you know, that's a basic tenet of mine. And I've been very proud of the fact that if I started another company tomorrow, there's 
50 people that I think I could pick up the phone and they'd say, you know, when do I show up? Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's the mark of a great leader, right? When people are willing to, to follow you into, you know, sometimes a bit uncertain situation, right? I look at some of the wonderful people that have joined me here at Ariaka, and some of them just made the leap of faith because they really wanted that culture. And I, I also agree with you. I mean, you've got to let employees take chances. You've got to let them make decisions. And they're not always going to get them right. And you can't penalize them when they're wrong. If the majority of the time they're right, they're creating a good experience for the partners and the customers and their, their fellow employees, you know, let it be, right? Just let it be. Let them have the empowerment to go do those things, to try to solve problems, you know, and always do the right thing for the customer and partner. Yeah. So let's talk about something that's, I know, very near and dear to your heart, Kurt. Obviously, beyond the great stuff you've done in the channel, I know you're very focused on giving back to the community. So let's talk about some of the, the philanthropic things that, that are happening in your life. You know, can you share a little bit about your affiliation with the Center for the Young Addiction and Recovery at Kennesaw State University? And maybe just kind of share with the world, like, why these efforts are so important to you in terms of addiction, recovery, and, and prevention. Yeah, so I, I sit on the board of directors. I have for the last five years at the Center for Young Adult Addiction Recovery at Kennesaw State. For me, it was to be of service work. I'm fairly transparent. I'm uh, 11 plus years in recovery myself, so it's it's near and dear to my heart. But the program at Kennesaw State, and there's about a hundred of them nationwide now. But in essence, we take kids or young adults that, through the wreckage of addiction, have you know dropped out of school, flunked out of school, you know whatever. And we apply resources to them. We get admissions waivers based on their long-term recovery. The only requirement is that they're in 12-step recovery and have been successfully for at least six months before they come into the program. But it's everything from sober living on campuses to job support and job placement. That's a lot of the work I do is helping these young people get placed after they're done with their school. My wife and I funded a scholarship. It's actually named for a friend of ours, a friend of all of ours, Carolyn Bradfield, lost her daughter to addiction about five years ago. So we fund a, a scholarship that every year that's giving to a student at Kennesaw State that has a desire to be entrepreneurial in any way, shape, or form. We've presented that now four years running. We do that every year. And then again, like most of the work, it's, it's about taking people that for whatever reason inside their addiction got sidetracked and giving them the resources to get back on track and become you know fully functioned, happy, and, and productive citizens. And, and the interesting thing is, if you look at the stats of students in CRCs, collegiate recovery communities, and ours specifically, their GPA is a half a point higher than the average at the school. Their graduation rate is 100%. We haven't had a kid fail out in the program in like five years. Their recidivism rate, the rate to which they go back to their use disorder, is lower than the general population at the university. So like this myth that, you know, once an addict, always an addict. Yeah, sure, we're, we're still in recovery. But we found that the students in our program are less likely to go back out and use than a quote unquote regular student in the normal population is to become addicted themselves. So it's really been a miraculous story. There's, there's just so many examples of how, you know, these kids' lives have been changed. And quite frankly, the world is better for it, that the attributes of an addict in recovery, the ability to be honest the ability to persevere. You know, you talk about people that have overcome things, the ability to, to work hard at things, to be accountable. All these attributes of successful recovery from addiction are things that I would think employers would want in their employees as well. So 
that's really been a kind of a, a passion project for me the last few years and one that I'll, you know, I'll continue to do always. Kurt, that's so cool. I mean, I can hear the passion in your voice when you start talking about it. So, my man, I, I really, really love that. So keep up the good work there. Uh, so last question for you, my man. So 25 years, 35 years of experience. What's a channel hack you would like to share with the world? If somebody's out there trying to build a good channel, good program, really improve that partner experience, you know, what's one piece of advice you give that person? Stop talking to partners about what success looks like for you and find out what success looks like for them. Let them define what good looks like in the relationship and then live according to that. You know, build to that. It's they, not, not we. You know, it's, I mean, it's they, not us as far as uh, defining success. There we go. They, not us. Everybody, Kurt Allen, my man, the channel expert, the servant leader, driving the next evolution of sophisticated partners, the rise of a super agent, scholarship chair. Uh, what an amazing story around that. Just giving back to the community. Just an all-around great dude. I really enjoyed my time on, on here with you today, Kurt. Thanks so much for being on. And uh, there's only one thing left to do, my man, and that's you know I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a little one two three, and I want to hear you give us a let's go because here at Ariaka, it's our year. It's time for us to go. So Kurt, one two three, let's go. I love it. Let's go. Thank you so much.